hello everyone. Welcome to another week of Deep Gospel. I'm so excited um, to have this wonderful group um, of people discussing our next text in Mark, um, which actually is one of my favorite gospels. I don't think I've said that before, but it's um, it's a really good one. I took a, a class on it too. So, um, But before we dive into the text and everything it has for us, um, I want to make sure we introduce everyone. So my name is Haley Eccles. I'm the Associate Director and Pastor in Residence at Campus to City Wesley and a lover of scripture and deep conversations. Um, and this week we have um, our guest, uh, Paula, who is the Youth Director at Mandarin United Methodist. Um, Paula, you wanna tell us a little bit about yourself? I always do that. I am um, the youth minister at Mandarin and Longleaf um, United Methodist Church. We have two campuses, um, one in Duval and one in St. John's. Um, I've been here about a year and a half, um, coming from a church up north where I served almost 16 years. Um, and I love working uh, with youth and, and what I've been really excited about doing this last time in quarantine as we finally have a consistent young adult Bible study going on Tuesday nights. And that's been great um, to have um, a group of um, adults that I didn't know. They weren't in my youth program, but just seeing their heart and their their passion for under, trying to understand um, God and putting him in relevance to the world around them. So, um, and I'm a mother. I have three children. And um, well, six children, if you count my three dogs. So that's who I am. That's great, Paula. I didn't realize that you served um, both Longleaf and Mandarin. So I'm sure that's um, a lot, a lot of schools and, and things to be keeping up with. But yeah. um, And then we also have Brooke joining us. Brooke, do you want to say hey to our friends? Hi, I'm Brooke. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Wonderful introduction. And Flower, would you like to introduce yourself as well? Yeah, um, since you're probably less likely to know me than you are Brooke. I mean, if you don't know Brooke, I don't know. How did you get here? I'm curious. Please please tell me how you got here if you don't know Brooke. Because um, I wouldn't be here if I didn't know Brooke. So I'm Flower. I am a student volunteer this semester with CCW. Um, in the past, I've been a fellow and done some other fun stuff, but I have a lot going on in my schedule this semester because I'm graduating from UNF. I am a public health major with two minors, health education and deaf studies. Um, I'm around, you know, I like to do a lot of stuff. Um, I'm exploring a call to ordained ministry. So that's one of the reasons why I'm here. Great. Well, um, I'm going to ask our uh, woman a few words about herself to lead our opening prayer, and, uh, and then we'll get started talking about our scripture. All right. If y'all want to um, pray with me and fold your hands or close your eyes or knit, do your prayer thing. Um, dear God, I am so grateful to be here on this call with Haley and Paula and Flower. Um, 
and I am so hopeful for the ways that you will show up today as we read. I, um, I honestly struggle with this passage. I hope someone doesn't struggle with it, but I am looking forward to finding you in it still. And I ask that you will be with everyone as they listen, as we walk along in this passage, that you will show us what you want us to know, that you will give us the feeling and the insight that we need from these words, and that you will be with us, not only now, right now as we are having this conversation and as it airs, but just for everyone throughout their day as they listen to this. May we be changed by your love, God, and may we, may we help you change the world with it. In your wonderful name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brooke. Um, Flower, will you read our passage? Yes. So our passage today is from, uh, let me make sure I get my, it right, Mark 1, 21 through 28. Jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. The word of God for the people of God. Yeah, thanks be to God. Um, so this passage is... Uh, the last few weeks, we were kind of talking about the progression of Jesus' ministry and what does Jesus do first. So the first thing Jesus does is go to the um, the wilderness and fast and pray. The second thing um, is the calling of disciples. And then we have this passage, at least according to Mark, where um he is preaching. So we always kind of start with the things that we like, the things that kind of welcome us into the text. And for me, the thing I like isn't necessarily in the text itself, but the way that this text has a little bit of, um, I think the best word is like nostalgia or connection um, for me. Um, I took a seminary class on the gospel of Mark, and there is a um, actor who reads the whole gospel of Mark. And so we would listen to the recording before each class of the chapters we were going to talk about. And it was like one of those voice actors had a British accident, accent, very entertaining and enjoyable to listen to. And I can just hear his voice, the way he said the words, um, what is this? a new teaching with authority and the way he said it, it just like had this beautiful like build to it. And so I just, I like the way 
that for some reason, the way he said authority um, was very welcoming to me. And it wasn't the way I normally think of authority, um, but just sounded more confident and sure. So that's what I liked or the first thing I thought of when I was reading this text. Um, Paula, what did you like? Um, I really like that it books bookends the story of the man with the unclean spirit reminding us of Jesus's authority. Um, and it's not authority like you think of, um, you know, a disciplinarian so much or, or um, somebody who is in control. It's somebody who has authority because he feels so comfortable in what he's teaching. He um, doesn't, he's not teaching what somebody else has written. He's not teaching, you know, sometimes I find myself reading a, um, a devotion and without even realizing it, I'm trying to regurgitate what I read. And Jesus isn't doing that. You know, he is standing there with the authority of feeling free in God and sharing um, who, who he is and who we all can be through God in that moment. And so much so that they're like, this is a new teaching. It's not different than what they've heard. It's just that authority of um, making it all refreshed because he, he is just speaking, you know, it was so much knowledge, I guess. Um, so I really like that because I struggle with that sometimes, especially with um, doing what I've done for so long. Sometimes I just, you know, pull something out of the bag that I've used before. And, you know, you can always tell when you're not speaking with, um, <laughs> with authority on your subject, you know, when you're speaking just because it's comfortable. Um, and it reminds me that I need to claim who God is and share that with that strength. So that's what I liked. That fits so well with um, some some of the things that we'll have heard from Derek on Sunday about um, this discussion about the dust of the rabbis and how like this conversation around authority um, has a lot to do with what the other rabbis are teaching. And so he's definitely making a name for himself as not someone who is uh, discipled in a way, but is discipling people in a new way. I didn't think about um, that part of it. So that's really cool. Um, Brooke, what did you like about this passage? Um, yes, I really liked the first few sentences. Um, I liked it because um, if you've seen me on Deep Gospel before or heard me on Deep Gospel before, I just really like sensory details in the passages. I just like being able to picture it. And I really like the scene that was set up of Jesus going to this place and teaching all day. Um, and that seemed like a very hospitable setting. Um, and I also sort of like what you said, Paula, um, I like the detail about how it, it said that Jesus wasn't like quoting and what was that? It was like quoting and something else, but he was, 
I can just imagine it because I, for me, I think it would be uncomfortable. I don't know if I would appreciate that. Like I, um, I'm thinking of like this and like they are sure that like this is the way that it is. Like this, <laughs> like this is definitely the truth and they are just presenting that without evidence or without like, oh, I think this is the truth because of this thing. I would personally be skeptical and probably a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but it seems like Mark or the writer of Mark is saying that what he appreciates is that it's not that, that it's more Jesus like stepping in I'm trying to be a lot more succinct anyway, so I said that was sensory. It's sensory. We're good. We don't, we're fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> well then, Flower, will you share what you liked? Yes, I will. Um, so I... I really loved what Brooke said because I have sort of a similar answer. Um, I love that kind of sensory detail. Um, the way that I was thinking about it before I came in here was I love the like world building aspect of this passage. And that's sort of a, a fiction term more than a term that we usually apply to the Bible. But I do think that there's this like canon within the Bible that is like the world in which they lived at the time. And for me, that's what this passage really communicates. I also really just love demonology and would really like to study it. And I think that's such an interesting part of the Bible that like people have different opinions on and they're like, well, maybe demons existed, but we don't really have them now. And then they're just like, well, maybe they weren't demons at all. You know, just somebody with epilepsy or, or something like that. And then there's also the belief of like demons were real then and they're real now and like exorcism, exorcism is maybe a necessary part of the Christian faith. And so I think each of those camps is very, very interesting. And I'd love to, to dive deeper into that. I also been watching a lot of uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina because I finally got my mom to watch it. So we're rewatching what I've seen before and what she's now seeing for the first time. And so there's a lot of kind of demon stuff in that too. And I think that's just really interesting. And I don't know, I don't know how I feel about it in like faith practice, but I like hearing about it. Oh, that would be a whole interesting own deep gospel for real to talk about um, all those different passages. But I, um, I do find that really, really interesting. And what's so, um, what becomes such a crux of the gospel according to Mark is exorcism, healing, exorcism, and, and teaching like it's the, like the three pillars of what Jesus does and while there's a whole conversation around like what demons really were and all of that stuff what I find very interesting is the way that this pushes Jesus to fame like if we think like that's the word that the um the NRSV uses is that at once his fame began to spread through the land. I mean, this is what gets people to like come and like entertain us. <laughs> like this is what we want to see. Um, so I think that's a really interesting thing to think about too. I don't blame them. I would like to see that too. So, and 
we know we've seen preachers who have made their living off of this kind of mm -hmm. uh, healing or, or things that are a little bit more fantastical. So, um, but these are all like the beginnings of challenges. So we'll just kind of transition into those and see what other things we can layer on. Um, Paula, what challenged you? So um, I think it's interesting, this scripture, I'm kind of in the same boat as Black Um, to people who are struggling. Um, and I think what I think gets in my way a little bit is, um, so I very much believe that there is, um, you know, two sides of the coin. And so if you believe in God and goodness and grace, you also have to believe that there's something opposite out there, you know, or it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense that God would send Christ and um, allow him to die in the way he did for our freedom. If, um, But what I struggle with is that whole vision of somebody, of somebody struggling with that in the beginning, you know, that they have been left to struggle with whatever issue that impure spirit that they're struggling with. Um, you know, I, I don't, see that as something that's part of my belief in God, that there are just people that are left to struggle. Um, what I do love about this scripture is because Jesus isn't afraid to act in authority, he brings healing and health to this person. So even though this person is struggling, um, and that's what I have a hard time with um, in my the way I look at the world, I guess, and the rose-colored glasses that I tend to wear, um, that somebody is just left in that space before that encounter with Jesus is hard for me. Definitely. Thanks, Paula. Um, Brooke, what about you? What was your challenge? Yeah, I, um, I gave like a whole talk about this at UNF, but it was like a year and a half ago. So I guess I can talk about it again. Um, I struggle with the passages that mention demons. Um, it, it's just really personal. It's it's not academic. Like there's um, there's not like a reason I would read this and like think of that. But I just it's hard for me because I have Tourette's, which is a condition which is like involuntary involuntary um, movements and sayings. Um, and in high school, when I had severe Tourette's, my like Christian club like told me that there is like a demon inside of me and they like tried to get the demon out. Um, so when I read about demons, I can't help but like remember that feeling of being like demonized. Um, and so that's honestly like the first thing I think when I approach these passages, um, my first thought is, and this doesn't match my belief about Jesus. Sometimes I struggle and sometimes I wonder, but but I generally don't think that Jesus is ableist or that Jesus would be unkind to disabled people. Um, I think that like Jesus loves disabled people and that's really important to me. So I have to learn to interpret the passages without that lens of ableism, but I can't help but think like, 
what if this was a person who had a disability and then like Jesus, because of his culture, interpreted this person as having a demon. Um, and it's hard for me. It, it can be hard for me. Um, yes, so I just struggle with it. But I like, I did look up different passages. I'm not, not di different ideas about interpretations of demons and Mark. Um, I'm not going to try to quote them because then I think I would be like the teachers that Jesus wasn't like. I don't want to misquote and try to do all of that. But I, um, well, I guess I'm thinking of a quote, but a different quote. Um, one thing that really interested me, um, I read a lot of Rachel Held Evans' work, and that was very important to me. And one thing she says is that she thinks that Christianity should become more weird and like not try to like be weirdify itself. Um, and so like we should embrace the parts about like demons and like not try to like make it normal or explain it, but just be like, this is a part of our story, and we just have to like accept it and like make peace with it and see like what this unique part of our story can tell us. Um, so I do like that idea. I'm not sure what I believe about demons or things like that. Um, but I do like this idea of interpreting this as um, kind of like what you said, Paula, like there was something that dark and terrible that like is hard to imagine, <laughs> maybe not too hard to imagine, <laughs> it's kind of hard to imagine um, in our context um, and that Jesus saw this and that Jesus ordered that to come out of a person and liberated that person. Um, and I think I'm going to like try to hold on to um, that idea that it must have been whatever Jesus is doing in this passage, it must be something towards liberation and wholeness and light. Thanks, Brooke. Um, Flower, what challenged you? I kind of hate going last because like everyone else says something and I'm like, yeah, that challenged me too. So like finding one thing. Um, I think the thing that I keep returning to, which is something that I return to a lot when I read the Bible is just the fact that I am kind of a natural skeptic. I, you know, I work in a scientific field. Um, you know, the scientific method is how you determine whether or not something is true, you know, is it supported by evidence? And so whenever I hear these stories of miracles, I get really stuck on them, not necessarily because of the miracle itself, you know, nobody was there like taking before and after readings and trying to do a double blind study of these demon possessions. The thing that I actually struggle with more is the promise that Jesus makes later that his disciples will also have that power to perform miracles and cast out demons. And I'm like, well, aren't I one of the disciples? You know, shouldn't we have more evidence of these things happening? Uh, you know, can't we study them now if we do have this power? And it sort of just brings up this huge question mark that's like, I don't really understand what's going on here and I can't test it. And so I don't trust my own perception of the world because of my scientific back background. I definitely appreciate that perspective. And I feel like um, 
this is why I love reading the scripture in a community of people who think very differently, because I think a lot of times I approach scripture from much more of a a literary perspective and, you know, like, what's the point of Mark's gospel to begin with and what's happening in this? And so that bothers some people because it means that sometimes the details are whether or not things are true in the sense that they factually happened versus true in the sense that there is spiritual truth behind it. Um, that can feel like a gray area. And there are some things that it's like, no, I believe this factually happened. This is exactly how it happened. But, you know, with something like this, with the, with an unclean spirit and kind of like, well, what does that mean in our modern day? And have we seen something like this? Um, I always just kind of go back to this like literary perspective of like Mark's point (laughs) is showing that as quickly as possible, that Jesus is the son of God, where so many other places, um, gospels are showing other things. And so the first person to call Jesus God in this gospel is this man who's being plagued by a demon and the first one to call him most holy one of God. Um, and so I just find that so interesting, but yeah, the, the, like the fact that you know, that's like, that is still a detail that we don't know um, and how that happened and kind of imagining it. And because I am a literary person, my challenge um, and kind of as a pastor too, my challenge is that apparently according to Mark, it really doesn't matter what Jesus preached. He preached, it was good. Nobody remembers it because nobody remembers sermons past like Tuesday, but they do remember the whole like demon thing happening. That's really fresh in their memory. And I don't blame them for that, but I do kind of wonder like, what did Jesus preach about? Because that got a reaction too. It seemed important for at least a moment, Um, you know, and in Luke, we know he preached from the Isaiah 61 text. Um, so is that what he preached on? I just uh, find it so interesting that we do have words of Jesus in so many places, but we're missing um, the first sermon uh, and, and what he preached on. And uh, that challenges me just thinking about the role that those teachings play and what Jesus might have said. So gospel implications, moving through the challenges and trying to find the the good news at the end. Um, Flower, why don't you start us off? I think the gospel implication for me has to do with, again, that authority that we were talking about in the beginning that, that not only does Jesus teach with authority, but his authority is also recognized by others, including even the demon, which we would traditionally think of as an enemy of Christ. And so it also brings me back to the, um, I don't even remember where it is in the Bible. I just remember the snippet and I'm sure if I Googled it, I would find it, but the sort of instruction to 
make a table for your enemies and welcome them in so that they can't speak against you. And I think this is a really clear example of Jesus doing that. And for me, that is a very tangible gospel implication for this moment in my life, this moment in history of um, responding to those who would be my enemies um, in a way that makes them you know, not even be able to deny me. Even if they still are against me, they can still say, you're still God's child. Yeah, thanks, Flower. Um, Brooke, what was your gospel implication? Okay, so in general, there's like a pattern to my deep gospel things. Like I usually um, say I like the sensory stuff. I usually struggle with like the whole passage. Um, and then at the end, I say, I just want to like devote my whole self to God, but I don't really have like a real way to do that. That's just what I feel called to. Um, so <laughs> keeping with that trend, um, I don't know how to turn this into tangible action, which maybe is just the whole process of discipleship. Um, but the thing that I feel called to is to think about the parts of me that resist God, the parts of me that resist Jesus, the parts of me that are afraid of God, or I don't know. I think I need to keep the parts of me that are angry at God, just keeping open with that. But um, I do think that there are parts of my life and parts of my thoughts and parts of my decisions that part of me wants God to be there in these things, but there's another part that doesn't want God there and doesn't want to let God into these things or to let God inform these things. Um, and I just feel challenged to let Jesus do what Jesus does in this passage and just say like that resistance to me um, is just gone. Like you can't, it's just not there anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to let it stay um, and to invite Jesus to do that in my life and to just see how can I hand over the parts of me that are screaming, like you are a holy one and I want nothing to do with you. Um, how can I move past that? And I don't know, if anyone has any suggestions, raise your hand, please. Thanks, Brooke. I like um, also just the way that mapping out these responses reminds us that um, those patterns we see are those moments of like personal growth that are so important. And so I really love hearing you like name the the way that that happens over time I think that that's part of the part of the point um Paula what about you what was your gospel implication so um one of the the things I said earlier about the challenges of you know um 
this individual that is struggling. We don't know what his struggle is. We don't know what is happening around him in his space, whether it's supernatural, whether it's the energy around his struggle. We don't know what it is, but we we see Jesus very authority, you know, with his authority and very authoritative saying to him, you know, be still. Um, I have a um, son who's on the spectrum and there were times, especially when he was younger, now he's in his teen years, but when he was younger and he'd have a moment where he would just have one of those meltdowns. And, and unfortunately I too experienced people wanting to pray over him and cast things out of him so that he could be at peace, not understanding that he didn't need them to do that. <laughs> you know, he, he, this was how he expressed himself. And so in seeing that, and there would be times where I had to raise my voice very firmly and say, do you hear me? And his response would be, I hear you, you know, and that would kind of start melting down the situation and we could figure out the problem at hand and then redirect, you know, and get back. And, and I kind of see Jesus doing this here with this gentleman, you know, he's talking about God in a new way. He's claiming who he is very, in what we know to be a very powerful way, if they're saying he's teaching it, he's providing a new teaching, right? And so, and then he stops in the middle of his message um, and he has to address this one kind of troubled <laughs> uh, person in the corner that's being disruptive. And he has to basically say, be still. I, I'm here and I'm in charge, you know, and then, and then because of that, he's able to redirect this person. And we don't know why Mark uses cast spirits out, if it's truly casting spirits out, if it's um, providing peace to a broken spirit, if it's providing, you know, a change, a shift in the energy around this person to redirect him. We don't know what it is but we know that his authority causes this person to stop and be healed. Um, and so for me, I'm often reminded that we have so much more authority in our life and the world around us by claiming who Christ is and then living into that. Um, and what a difference we could make and how much we could change some of the issues that we see just kind of around us if we walked in and we claimed who we were in God and we didn't make excuses for that, you know, and we love the person hurting in the corner that just needs us to help redirect. Um, we love the person in the corner who's just hurting and needs to identify the hurt and then claim the healing, you know, and so I see Jesus doing that because he's not scared to just go in and by the world's perspective of him, why is he teaching in the synagogue? You know, who is this man? He comes in and he's taking over for the scribes who know the traditions and the law. And not only is he teaching, but he's doing a better job than they do in their space, you know? Um, and he doesn't come in and claim that he's God, but he shows that he has God's power by coming in and just sharing who God is through who he is. Um, so that's kind of what I hold on to, that there are moments where we have to come in and very strongly claim, I am part of God's family and God is part of me and this is where we're going, you know, and this is how we're going. So that's what stood out with me.
Thanks, Paula. And thanks for adding that texture um, from your story and um, Brooke also earlier for sharing kind of your experiences. Um, I know I don't have to tell you that those things were not uh, helpful in, uh, of God, but um, what I thought of when you were talking, Paula, was that like worship song that's like the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. Like this is one of those passages, like the same power that would speak with this authority that would cast out um, this spirit also lives in us. And then maybe even um, as Flower alluded to, um, can work through us, <laughs> which is a lot. Um, I think for me, my gospel implication um, was thinking about um, what I said earlier about the fact that we don't know what Jesus preached and we don't know the sermon, that I do think that there is something to be said about the good news is more than lip service. Um, that while uh, I'm sure this sermon was absolutely beautiful, if Jesus preached the perfect sermon, but ignored the bodily needs of the people in the community around him, then the gospel isn't good news. It's just pretty news or nice news. Um, and so I I am very uh, encouraged by a gospel that matters to day-to-day -day needs, day-to-day -day lives um, that, that would actually care about um, the person who's disruptive in the back of the room, um, that would actually care about the person that people have given up on a long time ago. Um, so that was my gospel implication. Um, I think, Brooke, you had a thought on that. I have two thoughts. My first thought is what you said, Haley. It made me think of The Chosen last week. I used to really recommend The Chosen. I think it's a really good show. Uh, but in it, there's a character who's like, whole thing, and I won't even say if it's biblical or not, but their whole thing is that like they're possessed by a demon at first, then they aren't. And I'm like, I can't believe, like, don't let people talk to you like that. Like she was possessed by a demon in the show. You still can't let people talk to you like that. Um, but my other thing was, I really like, this is not a gospel implication at all, but now that we're talking about how like we hear that Jesus teaches, but like we don't get insight into the teaching, I am trying to embrace this as an invitation, not to get too comfortable with it, but to embrace this as an invitation to imagine what Jesus would have said um, and to take on, I forgot what the tradition is called, but that tradition of like um, putting ourselves into the story. Um, and I, um, it's just a nice thought to me to imagine like what, what was Jesus teaching and maybe it was something that I needed to hear not enough for Mark to think that I needed to hear it, but um, God, God knows what I need. Thanks, Brooke. Um, any other thoughts before we pray together?
think I froze. is just to back up what you had said a minute ago, Haley, about, you know, not only were there power in his words, but there were power in his deeds, you know, and um, our words really do need to match our actions, you know, and if we say that we love our neighbor as ourselves, then we truly need to be loving our neighbor as ourselves, you know, if we are claiming to be in Christ, then we truly need to claim that, you know, when we can and acknowledge that we have times when part of us doesn't want to, you know, but it's just fighting through that moment um, of struggling with having to turn over kind of our direction of our life to someone else and, and choosing to do that each day the best we can, you know, because I think we all struggle with that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all of your thoughts, your perspectives, your vulnerability and sharing. And um, I'm going to pray for us as we go. Um, so if you'll join me in prayer. God, thank you so much for um, this passage, for the ways that we can um, engage in all the different layers of um, sensing and being present and in being curious about, you know, what was said, what other details, and ultimately to be able to um, be pointed back to um, a God who is powerful, um, a God who is uh, confident, a God who cares, um, and a God who is, is calling us uh, to get to work sometimes. So I just pray that as we read through this passage and we wonder, you know, what authority you've given us and where you've um, asked us to be able to direct um, people back to you, that you just give us some, some discernment and what that looks like and what it looks like to, to draw that attention where you would have it be. We ask these things in your holy name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us and blessings, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Gospel. Deep Gospel is a weekly conversation and ministry of Campus to City Wesley, a multi-site campus ministry serving college-age young adults in Northeast Florida. To find out more about worship gatherings and other ways to connect to our community, check out campustocity.org. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon supporter. Until next time, blessings.